welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with Chris Donovan, the head coach of the St. Michael's Purple Knights. We talk about his extensive history in women's hockey, why student-athletes go to St. Mike's, and what he looks for when recruiting players. I really enjoyed this conversation with Coach Chris, and I hope you do too. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoyed this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on the podcast Chris Donovan, who is the head coach of the St. Michael's College Women's Ice Hockey Program. Originally from Braintree, Massachusetts, Chris played college hockey at Norwich University. He was then an assistant coach with the St. Michael's Purple Knights team for three years, becoming the first and only head coach of the St. Mike's Women's Ice Hockey team in 2000, where he has been for the last 22 seasons. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate you having me here. Great to have you. Hey, so why don't we start you off like we do all of our uh, guests and just tell us a little about your hockey history. Obviously, you were good enough to play college hockey. So tell us uh, growing up yeah. playing youth hockey. I started skating at age 10, actually. So I didn't have that great a shot at playing college hockey, but I uh, went to a high school that uh, was had a really good hockey program. We played in the South Shore League. We actually won our league when I was a senior. And I had the distinction of playing against Robbie Faturk, who was the best high school hockey player in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Former and, head coach uh, of the uh, Kings and the New Jersey yeah, Devils, I believe. That's, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Beat us two to one in the Boston Garden. So, uh, But uh, then I went to Norwich and uh, uh, Norwich had a history of hockey and it was... Uh, you win or you're out. You win or you're out. That's uh, that was the culture at Norwich, and I just worked really hard, and uh, uh, we had some great teams. Uh, went to the playoffs almost every year, and uh, I became captain my senior year at Norwich. Wow. So, so you know, if you only started playing at ten, what made you such a good hockey player so quickly that even uh, you play college hockey? I just every waking moment I worked. I, I actually got a job at a skating rink at age 11 uh, doing cleanup, and I was on the ice for two hours a day doing circles with a guy that showed an interest and kind of guided me what to do. So yeah. I became an excellent skater, and then I just had a feel for the game. So. And, and, and what kind of player were you? Were you like a scorer? Uh, you, uh, I a was grinder? Uh, I, I was a penalty killer. That'll tell you something about it. I always killed penalties. Uh, I had a great senior year in terms of scoring, but uh, scored 27 points in 23 games. Wow. Okay. For the most part, I uh, was a great defensive player and had to develop my offensive skills. So. Gotcha. So we need to update your elite prospects profile to show that you're, you know, over a point of play, point of game player in your senior year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then uh, I actually uh, tried out for an AHL team when I got out uh, called the Cape Cod Cubs. And this is a funny story, so it's worth telling. There were five Americans and 60 Canadians on the <laughs> And after two hours of fighting, which is what all we did, yeah, uh, 
the assistant coach walked in the locker room and said, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy go see the coach. And it was all five Americans. So we kind of all knew that we were going to get cut, but we went to the office anyway, and his secretary was there and we go, we were told to come see the coach. And he, she looks at us and she goes, what's your names? And we tell her our names and she goes, oh yeah. He, um, head coach told me to tell you, don't come back after lunch. So oh, that, that was the last time I picked up my skates at age 22. I set them aside and I didn't pick them up again until I was 36. Wow. So I even got into the coaching late. Wow. So, so what did you do between 22 and 36 before you started coaching? Uh, in my first life, I actually built houses. Uh, around the United States, I built five custom houses, and I've done a lot of uh, custom renovations in a number of different states. Gotcha. So that's, I'm a master carpenter. So that's oh, okay. Nice. So, so what did you learn from building houses that you apply to being a coach? Uh, detail. A lot of detail, you know, and uh, the first guy I ever worked for, he said to me, you can spend 85% uh, of your time getting 90% of it, and then you can spend, uh, actually, I got that wrong. What he said was, you can spend eight hours getting 90% of the job, and you can spend another eight hours getting the other 10%. What's important to you? And that stuck with me forever because I'm pretty much the guy that spends the other eight hours getting the other 10% of it. So. Gotcha. So that's the attention to detail so, that you're expecting. In you know, and I, I have a good work ethic and I kind of expect that out of all my players. doesn't matter how talented you are, but you got to work. You got to work at it and you got to give everything you have and you have to work hard at it. So one, if you notice on any email I send, there's a saying, never quit on the end, on the bottom of it. And that's pretty much my attitude. Doesn't matter what the score of the game is. You don't give up until the buzzer sounds. So uh, I'm pretty much that kind of person. So. Gotcha. So after building houses for, you know, uh, umpteen yeah. years, uh, yeah. what made you say, hey, I want to be a hockey coach? Okay. So, um, so my first child, my wife took six years off to be with him. And then the deal was the second one that comes, I'm taking six years off. So I only worked part-time doing carpentry, but took six years off to raise my youngest son. And she came home one night and she goes, you need something to do, go volunteer doing something. So at that time we were living in Burlington and I knew that a kid I played hockey with was coaching the men's team at St. Michael's. So I went up in his office one day, hi, I'm so-and-so, you remember me? Cause he was a freshman when I was a senior. I said, you need some help? He said, no, said, <laughs> thanks. And I left. The third time I came back, he goes, okay, if you wanna help out, show up at five o'clock at the Essex rink. And that's how I got started. And it was at five o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the afternoon? No, nah, five o'clock in the morning. Okay, I got you. If somebody had told me I would have been coaching hockey while I was building houses, I would have told them they were out of their mind. But that's how it happened. I started coaching. I actually enjoyed being on my skates because I love skating anyway. But And uh, 
So I volunteered for two and a half years and then I left and then I coached uh, all girls team here in Vermont that some parents asked me to coach. And this was a youth team? Like this was, uh, you know, a 16s uh, like, or a 19 team? Yeah, yeah. It was a 19 and under team. Yeah. And those kids went on to play college hockey. And then when St. Mike's was decided to start a women's program, one of the coaches from here called me, asked me if I was interested. And that's how it started. So. I gotcha. And so, um, so you were an assistant coach with the men's team from like 92 to 94. And then yeah, you, something like that. And yeah. then you started as the head coach with the women's team to start the program in, in 2000. What were you doing yeah. in between 94 and, and 2000? Yeah, I, I was doing, things? I did. So I coached this uh, team of women, I think, for three seasons. So they were 15 and under, and then I took them to the 18 and under stage. Gotcha. In, in the meantime, I, I did some other camps and stuff. I started coaching at some camps. Um, and then when I started coaching at St. Mike's, I, uh, I, you know, I wasn't earning any money. That's, you know, so um, I took the job at St. Mike's and then I started doing uh, summer camps and, and evaluating for USA hockey. Cause I got to, I started getting to know some people that were in the business when I got out of the business, so. Gotcha, gotcha. And all this time you were volunteering as the coach, you were still building yeah. houses during the day, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 for the most part, yeah. Wow, so that's that's a lot of hours and it gets back yeah, to your work yeah. ethic philosophy that yeah. you talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it started out part-time at St. Mike's, so during those years in the summertime, I do carpentry or whatever I Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's talk about St. Michael's College. So it's yeah, uh, based sure. in Colchester, Vermont, which is basically Burlington, Vermont, right? Yeah. And, and there's about 2,000 students. And what really yeah. impressed me is that 25% of the students are athletes at the school, yeah. which is pretty amazing. You got, yeah. the, you know, the traditional sports and you got like the ski team, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm very, yeah. and, and, and then, um, so maybe just tell me about the school and the academics, because obviously that's they, a big appeal. So, uh, my opinion is the academics here are right up there with the best of the schools. And uh, I, I say this sometimes. So if you can't get into an Ivy, which is Harvard, Dartmouth, or uh, Princeton, or Yale, or you can't get into a NESCAT, which is Colby, Bowdoin, Middlebury, we're the next step down. If you can't get into one of them, you want to come here because we're where academically, I think we're just as good. We don't have the reputation that those schools have, but academically, I think we're right up there with them. So, yeah, and yeah. I believe the uh, the student to, to teacher professor ratio is yeah, like under yeah. 15. It's like 13 yeah, or 14, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Our biggest lecture hall has 97 seats in it. Wow. So, compared to BU, where my youngest son just graduated from, that has a thousand seats, you know. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And, and, and part of the appeal I'm assuming is just the location, um, being, yeah. you know, in the mountains basically, and you have, can do all these outdoor winter activities. If you're a winter person, this is the place right. to be. So we have an outing club here and there's probably four or 500 kids that take part in what they do. And if you want a kayak to go out on one of the rivers or ponds, 
you want a canoe, if you want snowshoes, if you want cross-country skis, if you want a trail bike, if you want any camping gear, you go there, you check it out, you go out to the outdoors. Just And, the, you know, what keeps me in here in Vermont is the beauty of it. You know, it's just beautiful setting to go to school at. And and how close is the uh, the nearest uh, ski mountain to, to go? I know I used to when I was a kid I skied at like Smugglers and Jay yeah, and Stowe. Right. So what, yeah. what, what's so, nearby? So we have a ski pass program with Smugglers. I think it's up to eighty five dollars now, but the students can get a ski pass for the whole season for eighty five dollars. Eighty five bucks for the whole year. Yeah, eighty five bucks for the whole year. Yeah, you that's can't. And that's probably thirty minutes away. Thirty five minutes away. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, and Smugs, Smugs is probably 35, 40 minutes away. So really, you know, and Stowe is 40 minutes. So you get three. It's a lot of good skiing within, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, not too far absolutely. away. So absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, let's, let's turn to the hockey program. So let's first just yeah. talk about the facilities. So you mentioned right before we hit record that uh, Cairns Arena, which is uh, yeah. where you play hockey, just uh, went under yeah. renovation. Maybe just talk about the arena and then the other yeah. training facilities for uh, strength. Okay. So why, so um, years ago, I don't know what year, maybe 206, 207, uh, we gave Khan's Arena money to build a second sheet of ice and to also build our locker rooms that only we use. So the men have their own locker room, the women have their own locker room. Uh, and what I really like about the arena is it's community-based. So there's eight high school boys and girls teams. There's two junior teams that play out of there. So if we have a game and there's a high school game before us or after us, we have quite a few people watching the game which is great. And last year they did a, during COVID, they did a reservation, a renovation where um, there wasn't a viewing area that was heated in rink two. So they put a new viewing area that's heated in rink two. Uh, they upgraded all the rooms. So now there's some conference rooms or party rooms, you, you might want to call them. They put in two locker rooms for one of the high schools and uh, it's an arena that's kept well uh, all year round, you know, it's beautiful. So for not having an on-campus facility, it's the next best thing. And it's only, if you, if you hit all the lights right, it'll take you seven minutes to get here. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, and 10 minutes if you hit the lights, but, and sometimes some of the schools with on-campus rinks, you got to drive to them anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I don't look at that as a deterrent to try and recruit uh, hockey players. Uh, a locker room's beautiful. It's kept nice. And, and uh, do the hockey teams have their own uh, training facilities or are they shared with uh, other, uh, other no, varsity teams? In terms of weight training, we have our own varsity weight room on campus at St. Mike's and we have a full-time strength and conditioning coach. So... Um, it's a room that we only use as varsity athletes. Uh, the faculty and staff and other students have their own uh, workout facility that they can go to on campus. So it's pretty ideal, pretty ideal. 
Okay, awesome. So let, now let's get into the more detail about the hockey program. So um, a little over a year ago, I had Kristen Matthews on the program when she was still the head coach at uh, St. Yeah. Ansel, and she yeah. explained kind of the situation with them being a D2 school playing a D1 program, but maybe you can explain this all again like you'd normally do to whoever you're recruiting sure. and explain sure. how this all works because you, you are uh, competing for a D1 championship these days. Yeah, so um, D1 and D2 schools are allowed to give athletic money. D3 schools are not allowed to give athletic money. That's the big difference. And we've been a D2 school forever. And basketball has been in the uh, main uh, reason why we were classified D2, because they always was a fully scholarship program. Um, so we played at the Division three level with all the D3 schools. Um, but the coaches felt, uh, because Holy Cross also played with us, so Holy Cross, Franklin Pierce, St. Anselm's, uh, uh, were in a D3 league called the uh, New England Women's Hockey Conference. Yeah, New Ha. And the, yeah, well, we're in the New Ha, but the yeah. hockey conference was the D3 league. Okay, I gotcha. So the uh, D3 coaches voted us all the D2 schools out because they felt they didn't have a true champion at the end of the year. Because sometimes Holy Cross would win it, sometimes St. Anselm's would win. And so there was really not a, so they gave us two years to find another league to get into. And it actually took both those years. Somebody finally came up with, let's form an alliance with the independent D1 school which was at the time Sacred Heart was an independent. Yep. Yep. Then Long Island decided to start and they needed a league. And then Post, which is also a Division II school, they were going to start, they needed a league. So with Franklin, PS, St. A's, and St. Mike's, now we have six teams. Let's form this. Uh, and they felt like uh, they, uh, when they got together to talk about it, at least. I heard this secondhand, but I think it's valuable. They thought if another D1 team dropped women's hockey, it would be a deterrent for the growth of women's hockey. So they decided, let's start this new D1 league. That'll help grow the game more. Yeah. And, and from my perspective, uh, there weren't enough D1 uh, bonafide D1 players in America when our league started. Yeah. So now you know why they have to go to Canada and Sweden to get other players. Yeah. The gap is getting narrower. In other words, I believe the, the really good Division three players are closer to Division one players now, yeah. and that will continue to narrow as time goes on. But uh, in terms of recruiting, I'm getting those bubble players that a division team might have looked at, and then, you know, we're not going to take them, and, you know, some of them are going to the new high, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So you actually um, raised the question that I wanted to ask you, which is, yeah. you know, you've, you've been coaching women's hockey now for over 20 years. How, how, is the game, how, how have the players changed over the last 20 years? Okay, so speed of the game has changed. Eight years ago, I could go into a rink and probably in 15 minutes tell you 
who could play Division Three hockey. Okay, now you can't do that. Now you got to go and look at players once or twice or three times, two or three times. You know, and what and what are the key differences that you're seeing? Like what what now makes it harder to to differentiate players? Uh, uh, um, basically, the speed of the game. Okay, so the players have gotten faster skaters, and because they've gotten faster skaters. That makes the game a little bit more complicated. Uh, eight years ago, you used to have those players that would stand out. There are still some of those players that stand out, but not anymore. Uh, uh, and like I was just at Nationals two weeks ago, and the speed of the game and the skill of the game, definitely a difference from four years ago. And uh, I just... I, in a in a few years, it'll almost be easier to go in and cross off the players that won't be able to play than it will be to choose the players that can play. So gotcha. I gotcha. A, that's, how, that's how I feel about it because when we were recruiting for the men, the men's game had been in the business for a long time and it was easy to go in and cross off kids that you didn't want than it was to, you know, choose the kids you did want. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, well, let's talk about your coaching staff. You have a pretty small yeah. staff, relatively speaking. You got yeah. uh, a former yeah. uh, St. Mike's grad, uh, Madalena Santor, if I pronounce her name right, and Chris yeah. Cobb, who's your goaltending coach. Uh, but that's 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 about it, right? That's it. That's it. So, uh, Maddie uh, is really detailed, really detailed oriented, and uh, she's the main communicator with the women, you know, and uh, we both get together and do lots of different stuff, you know, equipment, uh, you know, travel plans. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's, there's a thousand different things that, you know, we get together and do. Uh, we, we, we give a, we get together to give a basic idea what we want for practice. And then she'll draw up the practice plan. You know, uh, she does the video for me, uh, break down, and then she gets together with the players to do the video. You know? Gotcha. So I'm kind of the big picture guy. She's the detailed. Person. I gotcha. I and gotcha. then Chris Cobb, who's our goalie coach, he's new. He came in this year, and he's really helped our goalies get to that next. Uh, kind of level because they're both young. They were both young except for my senior. So, gotcha, gotcha. So I, I, know, I did... so we have a small staff, but we try and give the players everything they need. Gotcha. So not, not everything they want, but everything they need. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so I, I did look at kind of your stats from this year, and so I, I noticed kind of two things: is um, one on the goaltending side, uh, you're giving up 42 shots per game. So obviously, yeah. uh, Chris Cobb had had a lot of work to do this year, um, yeah. and then then also you need a little bit more goal scoring because you're you're averaging still a little less than two goals per game. So yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what what I learned from when I. You know, I'm no, I'm no math expert, but I know if you're giving up a lot of shots and you're not scoring a lot, that means you, uh, you, you're you're going after the puck a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. tell us about, your, you know, where you're at with your team these days. Okay, so I had 16 new players who had never played a college hockey game because of COVID. So wow, had, yeah. And, and that adjustment period for them 
took a little longer than I thought. If you look at our games uh, at the first part of the year and then towards the end of the year, we really started to gel together towards the end of the year. We're still getting up too many shots and we're still not scoring a lot. But, uh, but in terms of playing together as a team uh, and doing better on the ice, we uh, are doing that. You know, so I'm, uh, even though it took longer than I thought it would, uh, I'm optimistic for next year, but I'm always optimistic. <laughs> well, 16, you know, you know freshmen or first year players, basically, I mean, you got, you got at least three, if not four more years with them to, to yeah. really kind of crescendo a little bit over time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and, you know, part of it, you know, you have to score goals to win games, you know, and uh, 1.5 or 1.3, whatever it was for us, that's not going to win a game. You need three or four goals, goals at least to win a game nowadays, you know, at least three or four. Yeah, and, and I don't think Hillary Knight has any more years of eligibility, so you probably can't go, <laughs> yeah, go back yeah, to her yeah, for, for some goals yeah. for it. So. Yeah, yeah. They have an age limit now, though, too. I think you can't be older than 29 to play, I think. You know, that's that's new to me, because I know on the boys' side, it's like 25. I didn't realize for women, it's... it's, it's yeah, I, I, I'm I not... Don't quote me on that, but uh, I know when I was playing, they didn't have an age limit. You could come in yeah. at age 30. You'd never played, you could play, but now they have an age limit. So right, so, so now let's get to the recruiting side of things. Um, okay. I'm going I'm to ask you about what your recruiting pitch is, but first I have a very specific question. Are your player, your hockey players allowed to ski during the season? I got to tell you, I don't say anything about it at the beginning of the year. I only say, I'm not going to tell you not to ski, but I don't want to hear about it either if you do. And I have and I have a story to go with that too, because there's always someone that's gonna go skiing and blow their knee out. <laughs> and I had a freshman that went with some seniors one year and and she was out for the whole year after that. No, I don't tell you know, there's two things here. I'm a little older than a lot of the coaches. So you know, your athletic experience is supposed to be a great experience. Your college experience is supposed to be a great experience. And that means you have to experience everything that goes along with college. And yeah, I'm competitive. Yeah, I want my kids to do the right thing. Uh, but I try not to get into their personal lives too much. And uh, kids are going to do stupid stuff sometimes. They all do. And I know a lot of coaches don't want to sit there and talk about it because they don't want anybody to know what goes on. But you got to let them experiment on their own. And by keeping everything they do uh, rigid, it doesn't give them a lot of room to grow. So uh, I'm a firm believer in that. When you come to play hockey with me, as long as your personal life doesn't affect the hockey part of it, then I'll never get into it. But if the personal life affects the hockey part of it, 
then I'm going to get into it with you. All right. Well, that's actually a great insight and a good story. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so what is your pitch on here? You know, you're talking to a player, you're, you're at uh, some event and you go, Hey, like hey, maybe, you know, you've watched more now than two or three times. Yeah. What is your pitch for folks to come and be, become a, a purple knight? Uh, one of the pitches is that we have a great facility to play at, that we have top academic, uh, rigorous academic programs that you'll be interested in. And we have a community atmosphere. Uh, those are the three things I try and stress. And uh, I also uh, stress the fact that you're playing at the D1 level now, which for a lot of players, that means something, you know, even if they're not getting every bit of uh, luxury that some of the top D1 programs get. Uh, uh, being able to say you play at the D1 level is 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 still the carrot, you know. So, uh, and, and then I I think the setting of the school sells itself for those who want this kind of setting. You know, if you want to be in a, a city environment. You know, this is a small city environment, but if you want to be in a big city environment, no, we're not the school. But uh, And then I just, the players really sell the program. So when a recruit comes on campus, we go to lunch and the players sit with the recruit and I sit with the parents. You know, parents are going to ask me questions that the player's not going to ask me and the player's going to ask the player's questions that they're not going to ask me either, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really important. So uh, the campus visit for me is like the ultimate. Players know exactly when they leave here, whether they're going to come or whether they're not going to come. There's no in-between. Uh, you're either, And I've had players that on their way out have said, nope, this isn't the place for me, you know? But I've had a majority of players that have come here to visit that have said, yeah, this is the place for me. So if I can get them to campus, and that's the thing I stress, if you come to campus, I think you'll like it. But uh, so, but, and coming to campus usually is the, is the deal breaker. Gotcha. Okay, just a couple more questions then. So what is it that you're looking for that would get somebody an invite to campus for you? Okay, so, uh, I'm looking for someone to be interested in our kind of school. Okay, that, that's uh, the main thing. So uh, whenever I get an email from a recruit, uh, I usually ask why St. Mike's. And then I ask for film because, uh, because uh, my time is limited because I have such a small staff. I need to see film first before take the time to go out and watch a play. A lot of seeing the coaches out at venues, a lot of that is just so people see what schools are at, you know? Yeah. Every person who runs a tournament has a sign-in sheet, one of the coaches that are here. It looks good for them if they put it up on the website that these coaches were here. Amen. We'll see the coaches at the tournament, you know, and I'll go 
and I'll check off some players and I'll contact them when I come back. Uh, because usually I'm never at a tournament for the last day of the tournament. You know, you come in, you do your work and you go and you go. And so most of the contact is either done by phone, text, or email. And once a player shows interest and that I'm interested in them, then we usually go from there. You know, so so how do I pick my players? They gotta have really good skating ability. Okay. Skating abilities uh, almost the number one. After that, it's how do they handle a puck? How many times do they touch the puck during a game? Uh, do they know the, the position, you know, when they're away from the puck, do they know what they're doing? You know, uh, NHL coaches will tell you that all these guys come in, they're big, they're strong, they can handle a puck, they can shoot the puck, but some of them don't know what to do away from the puck, you know? And that's something that players need to know, you know? So, so here and tell you that's the ideal player for me. Do I get the ideal player? Not all the time. So what we stress coming in is no matter how good you are coming in, you better be better by the time you're, you're a sophomore, junior, senior in order to stay with the program. At and least, I'm, assu I'm assuming you're, you're doing some skating uh, with them. You're teaching them how to skate yeah. better. That's uh, such a high priority for you. Yeah, yeah, that is a high priority for me. So because usually if they can skate really well and they have a good sense of the game, the rest of it they can get better at, you know. But, you know, but that's what I'm looking for now. When I was looking for at the Division three level, uh, you didn't have to be the best skater, but you had to have hockey sense, you know. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, speed, and the only, other thing that's changing at the Division one level is the size of the players. You look around now, they're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. So if you're a 5'1 or a 5'2 forward, unless you're twice as fast as the bigger guy, the bigger women, uh, you'll still get looks and you'll still play, but it, it's going to be more difficult as time goes on. Yeah, you better be Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, you know, with the, that kind of speed at that height. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, pretty, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, so what recommendation would you have for, uh, for players who, who are interested in playing D1 hockey at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Self-evaluation. That's my biggest uh, suggestion. Really evaluate yourself as a player. You know, have you been to a D1 game? Have you compared yourself to somebody on the ice at a D1 game? Uh, you know, and if you've compared yourself to the D1 player, you're really truthful with yourself. I have the skills they have. And uh, and that, I think, is important because uh, you can say you want to play D1 hockey, but you're out in your backyard shooting 100 pucks a day. I uh, spending 10, 15 minutes before you go to bed at night stick handling, you know. You were in the weight room three out of five days a week, you know, to get stronger physically. And and when you're out on the ice, are you trying new things that you're not so good at? Because the things you're good at are really not what you have to practice, you know. So 
That's some awesome advice. You know, I'm going through my head of do my kids do those things? So yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly yeah. some great advice. So yeah. So um, you know, the so when I get contacted by someone, send me film. If I watch the film and they look fast on the film, then I'm interested, then I'll contact them, you know. But but if you really a lot of kids don't self-evaluate themselves in this uh Today's market, everybody's a winner. Well, this is competitive. Not everybody is a winner. Gotcha. And, and, you know, it'd be nice to say that just because you've been playing for 10 years, you're good enough to play. Well, that doesn't always work out, you know. And, uh, you know, you really need to understand the game of hockey. It's a simple game. It's five on five. So if... Uh, your team doesn't have the puck and you're not on the player who has the puck, then you better be looking around to cover whoever doesn't have the puck because they're the ones that are going to get the puck next, you know. And if uh, your team does have the puck, then you better be getting to some open space so somebody has a chance to pass to you, you know. And, and those are just a few of the things. But um, it's, it's hard for me to say, uh, you know, can everyone be a D1 player? No, there's only, what, 2,600 women playing in CA hockey to begin with. So you got maybe a 1 in 24 chance of playing NCA hockey. Now, saying that, there's 110 club teams out there at least that have women's hockey, and some of them are funded better than some of the Division Three programs, you know? Yep, so, yep. So if you want a competitive game, there's, you don't practice as much. You probably don't play as much. And I don't know how many women are playing now, but I'll tell you this. I was in Minnesota last June and I watched, uh, uh, what, how old are you when you're a freshman in high school? 14 year old? Yeah, 14, exactly. 14. I couldn't believe the speed of the game that they were playing and they were all the same age. You know, and, Minnesota hockey is something special, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, uh, the number of players coming out of that area is just incredible. You know? Yeah, yeah. We had Winnie Broke Brown on the uh, podcast a few episodes oh, ago, and she, uh, she yeah. talked about the development there. And, and, and then obviously she's been deeply involved in that, and it's been pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, Chris, um, if folks want to send you a video, what's the best way to find you? Uh, C Donovan, D-O-N-O-V-A-N, at smcvt.eu. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, you can find your website if folks want to, uh, go, go figure out. My, the, the website for St. Mike's is smcvt.edu, and then you just go to athletics. Um, if, uh, you want to send me video over a phone, then my phone is listed at the bottom of my email so you'll have to email me to or look up my email on the website you know perfect much. perfect chris well i want to thank you so much for coming on the champs app podcast and you know sharing everything about uh, the saint mike's program um and i want to wish you best of luck as you head into recruiting season in the spring summer and obviously best of luck next year 
Thank you. I appreciate it, Ray. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the time. Oh, St. Mike's. I really want to thank Chris for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn all about going to school at St. Mike's in Vermont, his perspective on what it takes to play D1 hockey and what he looks for when recruiting. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.